0: Coming to you live here at BH Design Build uh, and um, we're with Ben and we're about to do some podcasting.
1: All oh, snap. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. All right. So we're here with Ben Horning. Some of you may know him, some of you may not, but I guess you'll get to know him now. Um, so what I'd like to ask you is if there was one thing you could tell like the industry from your experiences like with your business whether that's personal level or business level mm-hmm. what would what would that one thing be
2: I think the one thing is you, getting beyond the obvious we all know that we like to do good work we like to be proud of what we're doing that's kind of a given yes um, I think getting past that right away and and saying well how do I serve uh, my customers, my family, the best? Is is really knowing if you're profitable? You know, knowing your numbers. I think that that's one thing that um, is often overlooked when when people in our industry talk about um, you know doing things right, doing uh, their job really well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a given. You know, if, if we want to be in business for a long time, we have to do a good job. We have to make people happy. Yeah. We have to use good products. We have to stand behind those products. But beyond that, like, how do you, you know, stay in business? You, that's not enough, right? So you have to know your numbers. And there's nothing wrong with introducing that, um, that financial aspect into the conversation. Uh, really early because, you know, if you want to take care of your family, you got to make money, you know, and Everybody understands that, you know, everybody works for somebody or works for themselves, and the ultimate goal You still work for somebody. Yeah. Well, you know Even consumers though. I mean they work for people too. So they know that You know in order for a business to do really well and come back when they call you, you know Let's just say it's a warranty thing you have to make money. You have to be profitable. And so I think uh, if there's one thing that always goes through my mind, especially for like a small business, you know, we're, we're all technically small businesses, oh, yeah. um, you know, you can have 50 employees, you're still a small yep, business. Without so you know, the, the small businesses, it's even more important to know your numbers because every little line item is critical. So that, that's probably my one thing. That do you have any do you have any
1: systems that you might have put in place um, that help you guarantee that?
2: Uh Yeah it's a lot it's a lot of trial and error um, okay. you know I've been in business for myself in some fashion for about eight years All so right. you know you, you learn things a lot. I went to school for uh, finance and accounting so I have a business degree um, so that probably helped a little bit but in the end, I mean, in reality, you've you got to just learn from experience. Yeah, a,
0: a lot of these guys, they don't have an accounting degree. Right, right. And uh, we're, you know, we're craftsmen or we're, we're people that can actually do the work but not understand that side of it. Right. Or have a system. And it, by the time we get to that point, we end up losing a lot of money. Right. And getting frustrated
2: and some of us close the doors, some of us keep going yeah not knowing the problems is probably the the biggest challenge do you, you don't know if you if you're making money if right. you're working you know ten hours on the job with your tool belt and then coming home at night and you're tired and you know that's when you do your accounting and, and your reporting and stuff you know it, it could be a big challenge for for guys who um you know all they know is they manage by their bank account and that's just not enough because um a lot of that money's not yours at the end of the day. So you got to know which, which amount is yours and which amount is your supplier's and which amount is the tax man, all that stuff. Right, so, you, so what do you do? Do you
0: do like a break-even off of fixed costs?
2: Yeah, so I think the most basic thing, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, Brian, um, is, is setting an annual budget um, at the end of uh, your fiscal year for the next year so you know what your overhead's going to be. Uh, your expenses, and then also setting your your sales projections, um, knowing you know at the end of the day what kind of margin you need to, like you said, break even, um, and then obviously projecting a profit in there, so you know how much to charge. Uh, when you get your break even, then you know how much to charge to make a profit. Um, that's the most basic thing, and probably the most helpful thing that anybody can do. Immediately, right now, like if you're listening to this and you don't have a budget, go do a small budget, just a basic budget, and you'll be light years ahead of not having a budget. Do you remember
1: an instance that uh, caused you to realize this?
2: Yeah, I think I think there's like a number of small things um, over the years that uh, you know kind of came up as as I was. Quote unquote, managing to my bank account as well to a certain degree. Now, maybe there was a little bit of an advantage with that accounting and finance background mm-hmm. of kind of having the, the book knowledge, but let's face it, you know, colleges don't prep you in, in that sense. They, you
0: don't, know? they don't prep you at all to even understand how to read a financial
2: um, statement, balance right. sheets. No, profit and loss not not on a small business scale right. like you know you're you're doing case studies on you know fortune 500 companies and stuff and that that's, that's just really not gonna that's to not gonna mm-hmm. translate to what to what we do every day but I think one of my biggest uh, movements in that direction was uh, hearing about an organization called remodelers advantage which okay. is just like a trade association um, where all remodelers are members, and you go, and twice a year you have a, a, what's called a round table meeting with nine or 10 other companies. Sort of like this. Yeah, but you're, you're going with, the, it's a three day thing. You go and everybody digs into the books of yeah, everyone else. I had one in um, September, it's usually yeah, in the spring yeah. and fall. And so you go, in the spring you go on site to another member's company, and you do a one day kind of tear apart of their business, you know, give constructive feedback um, and things for them to work on for the next meeting. And then the other two days, everybody gets their focused time to uh, go over their financials and then also you know their burning issues that they need to work on. So you know you got you got nine or ten other voices in the room. And for me on the um, on that accounting and. And finance side the the big movement there was they require all members to have their books done the exact same way so when we're looking at them we all know what they should or shouldn't look like because they're supposed to be done one way and so that that really um speeds up that learning curve and so once i realized that and and had all these other people that did it the same exact way then when we're talking about it, I can learn really fast, you know, and I picked it up pretty quickly from there and realized, you know, what what my key metrics were in my business, like what I needed to know on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis, what I need to keep an eye on. So that was probably the biggest shift. And I, I joined um, four years ago. So, okay.
1: yeah. And is that available to anybody for anybody to join? Yeah, so
2: they have three levels. Let's um, talk I, about it a yeah, I think there's two hundred twenty companies that are that are members, and there's three different levels. There's kind of that entry level where you got a lot of guys who um, are, you know, maybe a little bit smaller, maybe have two, three employees, that kind of thing, and um, they're just, you know, joining for the same reasons that we all joined, which is, you know, basically to figure out a way to make more money, work less, have a better quality of life, and you know bring their business to the next level. So once you get in that first level, maybe you go to two or three meetings and what they want to do is get you into the next level, which is, you know, with maybe a little bit more experience from modelers and uh, have, have uh, a track record. And that's kind of where you, you live in that level for the longest time. And then there's uh, the, the highest level, which is called mentor level, which those companies have been, most of them been around for 20-plus years. Um, basically, they're, they're, source you can contact They're the top-of-the-game kind of guys. Um, and uh, so it, it it's a really tried-and-true system that they have. They've been doing it since yeah, basically the building early 90s. Basically, building off each and pushing yep. each other through yeah. this And then we career. have um, monthly phone calls with our group, like three other members of the group. That's, that that's awesome. Um, talk about what we're all working on towards the next meeting, of what, what's called commitments that, you know, in that six-month time period between the last meeting, um, you you have, you know, some specific area of your business you're working on, a project, and you talk about that, ask questions, and you, know, you get a lot of emails back and forth uh, from, from each other, basically just throwing out ideas on how to help. You know, this is what works for me, you know? Uh, anybody else have any suggestions you know that kind of thing it, yep. I mean it's everything it's customer service it's marketing it's financials it's it's employee uh, like HR stuff it's it's everything
1: So these people in your group are, are they in like the same level of business as mm-hmm. you yeah So yep. they make you guys like help build through the same stages mm-hmm. yeah yeah
2: so you' you're, you're cool. always basically you know right around the same level of you know the stage of your business if you will yeah it's, you okay,
0: know? cool let's look for example let's say I don't have the time I'm a practitioner in my business I'm new um, I'm struggling because I'm working out of my account and I'm looking at it. it says oh I have money one day <laughs> oh, I don't have any money this day I gotta go get uh, collect a collected deposit or I gotta go do a job and then get my money and like I'm doing this game over and over and over again and I don't have time to you know cause you don't have time because you're chasing money at that mm-hmm. point i don't have time to spend at a place like that um how would you suggest is there something that you would start somebody out like mm-hmm. they're just in a bad spot and they're like I, I need this this to stop like if i continue i know that the same result will happen over and over right. again um and, and
2: but where do i start yeah getting off the crazy train um you know it's a, it's a cycle and, and our business is probably one of the worst for that that cycle of uh, you know getting a bunch of money in your account and then all of a sudden not having any and not really knowing what you're making because you're working all the time. Um, I would start out with that budget, like I said, knowing what it costs you to be in business and you know on an annual basis and then doing what you need to do to make sense to yourself. So breaking it down into a monthly thing or a, a weekly thing and then maybe so now- a daily thing. So now how would i do this would i do this
1: by you know putting it is in my personal bills at home what i need to come up with like i i own my own business and you know i'm just trying to supply for my family like mm-hmm. so would i find that and then would i stay at that number or do you think i should add whatever percentage to that to help
2: this guy because well, yeah, I think it, everybody's business is different. Yeah, that's a great example. So if, you, if it's just a, you're, you're a, a one-man show, you know, um, obviously every business has its own expenses. So even if you're a one-man show, you should, you know, hopefully your your truck and your gas and your, your tools, all that, that stuff is either in a separate account or, you know, accounted for separately. So you know what, what it costs for you to show up on the job, before right, you, know. you Do anything before yep. you buy anything,
0: yeah. For the project, yeah. yeah.
2: Before you put your labor out there, just your mm-hmm. fixed costs, yeah. What for? What is yeah? Like when when we're when we're sleeping at night, you know what what does it cost? You know insurance mm-hmm. and and um, gotcha. all that stuff. You know if you have if you have an employee working as comp, you know all that all that stuff. Uh, knowing those hard costs that gives you like a baseline of what, you know, what what it costs you. And then beyond that, once you know that and you can have some level of comfort with uh, understanding how much money you can expect to bring in revenue-wise, um, that's the, sp- the spread is kind of where you say, well, you know, what what do I need to charge to make, let's just say, 10% net profit? Mm-hmm. So
0: do you have a spreadsheet Something that spits this number Mm -hmm. out, you put in the number that your fixed cost is, and it says you have to produce
2: $10,000 this week, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, so ours, it's it's a little easier now having a little bit of a history on on the annual revenue side. Um, And, you know, so everybody's going to have a different way of, I mean it's really just an educated guess, you know, of what you're going to produce in a year. Obviously. Um, and you can back into it, like you said, you know, like what I need to produce. Um, but at some point it's, it's a little easier after you have some experience to say, you know, last year we did X in revenue, this year I think we're going to do this, these are my expenses, um, and then, you know, what do I need to charge? And so when, when we're producing an estimate for a job, that, that margin that uh, we need is automatically put in there. We know what our overhead costs are, we know what we're trying to make net profit, and um, that's how you get your margin. So what, I,
1: what I'm understanding is you're saying they need to find a baseline, because mm-hmm. that's your basic like, form of, I guess, operations at mm-hmm. that point,
2: right? Yep. So that's
1: the number one thing
2: that's Yep, that's that's the biggest takeaway is just knowing what you're spending mm-hmm. on being no, yeah, in business. For example, let's say I got a truck, insurances,
0: and gas, mm-hmm. and I got a phone. Mm-hmm. Say it costs me $5,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, what would I expect to have to do in order to pay for all that, figure that number out? Mm-hmm. Exactly. On yep. top of making sure that the Job is making money, plus, on top of that, pay
2: right. for that five
0: grand right. for the in the business.
2: And always, always planning ahead, you know, like if you're going to, you should be within your estimates, uh, you know, building in labor Bills. that even if you're the one doing it, you know, that, that that's like a line item within the job that, you know, whatever your labor number is, like you should be getting paid for that. But the business itself, Needs to produce a profit mm. over and above your, um, you know, your your labor, uh, which is I think it's really hard for a lot of guys. You know, like there there's a, a lot of guys that are, they're used to just getting their quote unquote wages, yeah. and they say, well, you know, it's going to cost me, it's going or I'm I'm going to be on the job for 30 days, and then this is arbitrarily what my hourly rate mm-hmm. should be. And then it'll be ten thousand dollars in material and I'll just I'll just mark that up by, you know, five or ten thousand dollars or five or ten percent mm-hmm. and, you know, we'll be good, you know? As opposed to <clears throat> looking at it one package, your your labor's the same line item as or just a line item like your your material is and then Marking up the whole thing by that margin that you need, and it's kind of complicated to talk about yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know. But with that, without visually showing people, but I think that to keep it basic, that that first thing is just well, knowing what it costs you, you know. If we got time, we'll do you like a little
1: mini instructional video or something. Yeah, we can. Like you We can send we, can send. we can
2: send something. I mean, I know. Ryan has a, a real specific system too, and it's going to be different for every business. Obviously, you know, like um, what there, there's there's so many factors that go into how how you need to charge. Um, everybody's different, you know. He's he's got his own his his own criteria for that. But the bottom line is he I'm knows sure, his numbers. He knows what it costs him to wake up in the morning and put guys on the road, and. If you don't, I can guarantee you're not making money.
0: So you can start knowing the year, and then if you get super specific about the numbers, you can go down to the month, and then you can go down to the week, Mm -hmm. and then you can look at the profitability per day. But just starting out, you know, the goal here is to um, keep people's eyes open that, you know, some people are afraid doing this for a living that they look stupid
2: if they have to ask this question. That's a great point. Yeah, looking stupid is... Is way better and it's not looking stupid because you know they're afraid that they will yeah you You don't know know. what you don't know right I mean there there's there's uh, so many things in life that you can say the same thing about but um, asking a quote unquote dumb question is way better than you know waking up in three years and being like I just did 50 projects and I'm broke that's a bad feeling you know yeah (laughs) The funny thing is, like most of us have been there. I mean, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that this stuff is learned overnight. I've been I mean, it. it's it's just you, you don't you don't make progress without making mistakes. Hopefully, you learn from your mistakes. So
0: our goal is to bring this up so that others in this industry um, don't make the same mistakes we did and cost us a whole bunch of money. And hopefully, the goal at the end of this is that we elevate this industry a little bit because you know the guy that's struggling. Um, might have to cut a corner to feed his family. Sure, whereas the guy that's not is going to produce this really nice outcome for right. the for the for the industry and the homeowner. you, yeah.
1: level, you know what I mean. And the homeowner yeah.
2: is is ultimately you know the most important. That's our that's our bread and butter. That's our gold. We need we need homeowners to do what we do, and we all want to give them the best experience possible. And it makes a lot of sense for all of us to uh, help each other because, you know, we don't want to compete against guys that cut corners. And we've all been there at jobs that we fixed Mm -hmm. for other contractors who are cutting corners. And we
0: think that they're cutting corners because they're just sloppy. But I think a lot of the guys that i found are cutting corners because they're losing a lot of money every day to yeah on that job still. they
2: just didn't charge yeah. enough and you know the contractors get a bad rap for that and I think that there's a good portion of, of that stuff that that does come up because they didn't know what to charge and doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people they they made decisions based upon uh, bad information, bad information right. and then they were put in a spot where you know they had to ultimately either a Take care of themselves or be take care of the homeowner. And, you know, if, if it's the decision between feeding your family and, uh, you know, maybe you cutting a corner on a job, guys. unfortunately, some guys choose choose to feed their family. So, you can understand. Yeah. You know?
0: The third step to this is let's say Kurt came to bid a job and you came to bid the same job and uh, Kurt's is way low. Mm-hmm. And the customer's oh, like, wow. I love that. So, what happens also is if you don't know your numbers, you're arbitrarily giving these uh, consumers the wrong yeah, impression, impression, right? And that it's okay to go with the really super low one, and, it, and it's not their fault. It's right. not the the guy going out trying to be cheap. Yeah. It's just they don't know what it means to be at that. You know why why they're charging what they're charging. Right. Yeah.
2: What what you're charging at, the, or what I would be charging at that super quote unquote super high number, is um is actually fair. It's sustainable. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's fair, um, and that's why it it makes sense for us to want everybody to be just on that level playing field right. and uh, competing against nope.
1: pros. You know, you're not competing because yeah, you're gonna attract a different client than I will. We both know that. You know what I mean? Like right. I don't look at like ever contacting anybody else as a problem because it's you know. If if you're supposed to have a client, you're gonna get that clients, You're gonna sell that client. It's not what you're doing. Right. Anybody can do what we do if right. you put your mind to it and go right. in that direction. Yeah, they're they're going with you as a business, you know. Yeah, there's
2: there's so much work out there. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, competing's just the general term. But I mean, I, I'm friends with a lot of the guys that do the exact same thing that I do, and we sometimes go look at the same job okay. and. Let's face it, if, if I got every job for every lead that I went on, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, unsustainability there. I mean, can't, you, not everybody can take every job. And so there's been times where, um, you know, I went to look at a job and the schedule didn't work out. And I just said to the homeowner, listen. I have a guy that I know. He does the same thing that I do. Mm-hmm. His schedule might be different. I know you can expect a very similar experience for a very similar price. Mm-hmm. Call him. You know, right, right. Um, and it's a lot. It, it feels a lot better to have that phone call than tell them, "Hey, you don't. You know, hey, I can't help you. I don't know who can." Or you yeah, respond. Giving them to somebody that can't do the job like if it's all about price I don't like doing that either you know mm-hmm. if 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 the budget doesn't work out for me I want them to understand that it, it shouldn't work out for anybody if that makes sense you no, I agree you know so what I'd
1: like to hear about is like
3: uh
1: where 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 this all came from like you know what I mean like uh Startup and
2: getting involved in this type of stuff yeah so I um, I grew up in the, the new home business in new construction um, I, my dad's a builder worked for him for a uh, all the summers I can remember since so like the kid, kid level. Yep. Yeah. Like yeah. what, 10, 14 like, yeah, I of, mean like I like guess eight. payroll wise. No, I mean, no, I mean like when yeah, you started being like he was like, come on out to the job and yeah. check it out when you yeah. like, I mean still diapers or on Saturdays, <laughs> yeah. you know, since I was since I can remember. So that that was my first introduction to construction. And so it was always new construction and um, did you like take to it initially or did you go a different route? No, I mean I, I always I loved the business, you know, I, I really enjoyed um, you know, everything about the the construction business. So you said you swung
0: hammers with the guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was a framer for six summers with the Amish guys. Um, How was that? You got any interesting stories to I tell us? I got a lot of interesting stories. Just give us so one. The, yeah, yeah. One. <laughs> the, your favorite one.
1: What's your favorite
2: My favorite <laughs> one? Amish story. Yeah, I would
1: say. Does it involve I mean, a buggy? It, what's that? Does it involve a buggy? No. Do
2: you have did, one? Did you have a buggy? Um, no, I would pick cells? up the guys. And I so oh, My, no. my first. My first. No. no they no, use no, power bodies, they, tools. Don't cool. cool. get it twisted. Alright, no one they do, ma- no, not at that point. That was too many years ago. Well, they use
1: battery-operated stuff, so they don't care, they'll use all the cordless stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah they operate.
2: use cordless now, but back then, um, so my, my favorite story was probably uh, the the one summer when I was 15 turning 16, I turned 16 in the summer, and um, that was back when you could get your license right away, okay. and obviously working for an Amish guy and the majority of his employees were not driving. Yeah, so I was like gold to them, getting getting my license. Could you drive, or did you suck? Well, I was I, so that's that's a story. So I was I was just turning sixteen, and you know, as soon as you get your permit, you could go get your license, and yeah, it was I, I don't know, it was within weeks. I did it, um, and so I had to uh, had to go from getting you know, literally getting my license in the morning the morning before to showing up at work the next day at six AM at the shop and him saying, Hey, did did you get your license yesterday? And I was like, Yeah And he's like, Alright, so you're driving today. And so I had <laughs> learned I had learned how to drive my Maryland. permit on a Volkswagen golf. And now right? you're driving like a van. And no, at three fifty that was loaded <laughs> up like full tools, right? Yep,
1: yep. <laughs> cool like, bag, full like, tools. Like,
2: Massive suspension, you know, I needed to jump up to get into it. Ladders on it. With five <laughs> other okay. listen, five other <laughs> other Amish guys in there. Okay? And so it was um, like a it
1: was like a quad cab well not a quad cab, it was like a crew cab then. Yeah. A yeah crew
2: with with like the bench seat in the front so you could fit six holy guys. God. So a yeah. It was a uh, no. Oh, okay. no. Right. But ladder racks, you know, all everything. All, everything. So <laughs> And then I, um, he's like, okay, we're going down to this place called Taylor Ridge, which is ironically on the street I live on now. This was, you know, mid 90s. And our office, will, or his shop, was in, in Honeybrook, Chester County. And basically, the, the way to go east down there is Route 30 by mm-hmm. And as you know, from going on Route 30 in the morning, east is a little bit of a mess. And so, I mean, this is probably the drink. first time I was on the oh. highway too. Oh. <laughs> so I was just white knuckled the whole time. And I mean, I, I must have sweat like a gallon a the at six in the morning, you know, uh, with these, and, and you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, first thing in the morning. I, I don't even, I don't even think I was drinking coffee at the time, but I didn't need it. I was, I was just so gambling. nervous. So nervous. So I, that was my story. I, I basically had to drive in rush hour on Route 30, you know, going about 70 bumper to bumper, and that was my first time driving with anybody other than my parents in the car. With you a know, bunch wow. of, Did you get a pay raise like, on that? What? Or what? What's that? Did you get a pay raise? No. Well, well, well yeah, no, actually, you? so going forward then, because like I said, it's like having gold if you can have a driver's license with those guys you have to pick them up in the morning then. So I would take mm-hmm. the truck home and then pick a couple guys up. And so I think it amounted to like getting an extra half an hour um, per per day. Yeah, no, or it was an hour per day, half an hour in the morning, half an hour to take them home at night. Okay. and, you know. When you're, 16. when you're you're so 16, long, an extra yeah, like, hour, time and a half. That's running yeah. right I mean yeah. there. I, I felt like that was a- I'm like, yo, you got anybody else? <laughs> go? I'll yeah. take Gladys up the street too. Yeah. <laughs> I felt so like I was rolling <laughs> in it. So yeah, that was that was a good experience. So that was probably the best hands on experience that I had because it was so focused on uh, one thing. Well they do a lot of all, all new construction. So it was all framing. All framing. All framing. Yep. All new construction framing. So everything was was a hundred percent new construction and trusses are probably sick. Uh, both. Mostly trusses. But I mean, probably like I don't know, seventy-five, eighty percent of the jobs were, were actually building for my dad's company. So yeah, it, it was you know, he was a sub. And so, um that was that was really beneficial because at this point, even though I don't you know, I haven't like done anything in the field since then, since that my last summer there, um, I can at least, you know, talk about it. No, and have that knowledge with my field guys and yeah. stuff. so no. you have kids. So where do you go from there now? Huh. I was,
0: yeah, go. Uh, go, go. go whichever one. Kids. I was going to say, you have kids, so mm-hmm. how do you feel about the younger generation as they get older? Should they should they, do that background stuff like you did, framing, and get into it like that? I if they're, in, you know, if you if they want to bring them up,
2: or is it something they yeah. just skip that all together and put them? No, in the no. I, I I tell my dad that all the time, and this is coming from a guy that's in an office all day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, which I, I use that skill though. You know, as a guy, yeah. When I can talk about a job and what what things cost, I know I know how stuff's built. Um, but I I it's just funny that how that. You know, what, what appeared to be a small decision on my dad's part of, you know, go work
3: with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> you so, know,
2: telling me to work with these guys. And it was so hard. This was back before Petty Bones and yeah. stuff. So I was carrying he the lumber pile. Stronger, that's what he you know, <clears> the <throat> first, I would say the first three summers we didn't have Petty Bones. Maybe the last three we did, which was yeah. significant. You know, it was basically going from, uh, from, Horses to cars, you know. So you, you learn the work ethic, the yeah. struggle, yeah, and the I, heat. I wouldn't have done that you push myself. Yeah. Push, right? When you're when you're 15, right. you know, you just you want to sleep in and whatever. But I think that was, I I told my dad this a hundred times, I and mean, it was the best thing he ever did for me because awesome. I came to him and I was like, hey, am I gonna work for you again this summer? And he's like, oh no, you're gonna. You're gonna work for the You're framers. gonna hustle. And I was like, who would take framers? that f three fifty? Yeah. <laughs> you go pick everybody up. Who are the framers? And I was, he's like, are they the Amish guys? And I was like, what? So, but it was it, it built that work ethic. Um, even though I'm not like this handyman anymore, I still have that that uh, that background, and that gave me that platform of basically ever since then, every job I've ever had, is easy. It really is. Because that was it's the hardest thing hard you could do.
0: We talked about this, like, it's the struggle that keeps everybody, in, like, it's it, it. so in order to win, right, you you got to know. You, you gotta be able to struggle for right. a long time. Oh, sure. Right? And yeah. so, like, it weeds out the people who yeah. are not going to do that. And, yeah, cut corners. And it, yeah, yeah. And, and so then you end up um, being able to uh be in a lot of pain mm-hmm. for a long period of time yep. es- especially with sp- starting a business you got you you 've got to be the guy to consistently right. be hurting through it 's not right. easy and uh and the guys that that close the doors <laughs> they 're the
2: ones that said forget it right it wasn 't worth it right? Right. Yeah. yeah so that yeah that was a great point ryan i mean i can't, i can 't say that enough i mean i, I can 't wait for for my kids to be in that same position and there were nights that i would go home when you know maybe we were cutting uh insulation board with the radio saw when it was windy and nice. um i would go, go to bed after a shower and i felt like i was swimming in fiberglass yeah there were nights that i was cursing my dad under his breath under what, my breath you know but how did it taste yeah but what, what the fiberglass yeah, yeah i don't know i don't know i probably will live a little than than some people, but that experience, man, that that was that was gold. I'm so thankful for it. So where did go from there? So where it went from there? So in after at that point, then that yeah. was like I said, through um, high school and college in the summer. Right. So after that, after I what's, graduated, what's that age? Uh, that was 15 to 21. Okay. 22, yeah, because uh, then when I graduated uh, from from Drexel, I... I worked for my dad um, in the new doing, construction business. I was doing? doing estimating. Okay. So I was in the office. Um, and I did that for a handful of years. Two years, I think. And then I, I went and worked for him in a different department in the land development department, which was also a really good uh, good thing for my experience. So what did you do there? So we would go and acquire the land and then get it developed, put the streets in, you know, the infrastructure. And were you doing that? No, or this was all management. This was all, you know, like you made the phone calls. P.S. Basically, yeah. yeah I so I, the, I, the I worked, the I worked under a guy who, you know, had a lot of experience. So he still works. There. How did you? How do you estimate? You said you did estimating for a couple years.
0: Um, do you have like a program that gives you the numbers? Do you have somebody that was like, okay, we always charge this for this and you know how did you guys so for engineer? the new
2: home business they they've been in business for 45 years so um at that point it was really uh just a, a refinement thing uh they they use purchase orders so okay. it's all pre-negotiated pricing with all the subs and vendors so it, it estimating in that sense uh for for the new construction was more or less just making sure everything was in order when you release the purchase orders. So you get the plans, you look at it, you make sure that all the quantities were right um, on the purchase orders, the pricing, that kind of thing. And then it's just about getting into the field. Uh, but what that did for me um, was that bridged the gap between my, my knowledge of framing and basically that was all I knew in the field. You know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know a lot about trim or anything technically. Um, but that gave me that 360 degree view of what it takes to build a house, everything that goes into it. And so just little by little, I, I learned a little bit more, um, which also served me very well now, uh, because if I didn't have that experience, I I, I wouldn't have... Uh, I would have had a lot to learn when I went into remodeling years later, right? And building as well with that land development knowledge. Right. And so then that was something totally different. I was, you know, basically completely detached from the the construction side. Mm-hmm. This was just land development. Yeah, so it was it. learning a lot about stormwater and, and streets world. and curbs and paving and and um, a lot of excavation and all the red tape that goes into that mess. But that was really valuable because now, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that comes up when you're doing an addition and you need to understand, you know, fill and hauling right. and, you know, so stormwater. So water. when
0: you walk into a job, do you walk in and you see like price tags on things when you're walking through the house and like you're like, Okay, I can see someone doing this build. Is that kinda of how you when yeah. you walk in your vision is like, okay, I know what that number is, this would cost this much and
2: Yeah, it gets clearer every day. I mean, just I'm sure like with you, like you you know, the more you do it it's it's just uh the, the bike gets easier to ride. I mean, it it just comes with the experience and um I think uh I think having that that bit by bit job experience, as I was, you know, growing up in the business, that was definitely beneficial to me. Um, after the the land development uh, stuff I did for two years, what were you gonna say? Did your uh, dad have control of those areas you went to, or did you pick those? Um, we oh. just kind of talked about it. Yeah, it was it was more like I I wanted to work for him. Did he suggest? Yeah. That you went and did those things. Yeah, I I wanted to work for him coming out of college, so I was like, hey, you know, like I'm eager to learn. Where Where do you, you think it would be you beneficial? you did that on purpose, right? Well, sure, yeah, okay. of course. That's awesome. But That's awesome. It was more or less like where, where's the greatest need that I can I can uh, jump on, and then obviously, for me, you know what he you to learn. What would What, what would uh, be him. the most beneficial
1: to me? It's so probably a, to him as well. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. You I guys mean, help each other out now, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely uh, share war stories all the time. He still works every day. So he's down in the corner office right now, probably drawing something up.
1: So you went from learning the you know, land development to when did you get into where you're at now? Like what, what transpired?
2: So that, I was in land development at what would amount to the worst time in history of the the housing downturn, right? Mm-hmm. What's the, when's the worst time to own land? Two thousand eight, right? <laughs> so um, I did that for two years, and um, at that point I was I was like basically uh, getting a little bit disenfranchised with with new homes um, just because the market was so dreadful. And it just didn't, it just wasn't exciting. And I thought, uh, you know. Were you already thinking about starting a business at the time? Just, uh, just at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just at that time. Um, I never really had like these grand in, you know, this intentions. Big, big intentions of, okay. of doing anything until that time. And then I was like, you know what? I, I, I kind of want to just do something on my own. Right. Um, and I actually started flipping houses as a full-time gig. So I, I, uh. I left my dad's company in 2010, um, and uh, I still kept an office here this whole time. I've always worked in, in this building. Um, started flipping houses, did that for two years. That was when I learned m- the most about remodeling, because um, that was my full-time, you know, full-time gig. It was just me. And, um, and So I made enough money to support myself, the whole way through, uh, learned a ton about business and what it takes to make money and to lose money. And, um, you know, it was a little stressful, obviously. Flipping houses in the downturn, it's no joke. Um, but it was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun at the end when uh, I got my first remodeling job. Uh, somebody just randomly asked me if I did remodeling because they thought I did, but I was just flipping houses. For myself, and I just took this job, and it was an addition. And um, it just kind of clicked that I could get actually paid for what I was doing as I went instead of waiting for a check at settlement. So, you didn't have a plan for that? That was your plan. No, I, in in fact, I always had kind of like held my nose at remodeling. You know, I thought, why would anybody do that? Looks so aggravating because, you know, I grew up. (laughs) In the new home business, where you just have this nice piece of ground and you dig a hole and you start from scratch, everything's new yeah. and no, there's no homeowners in in the there. house right. and all that. So I, I always thought, why would you ever do remodeling? Because you know, it, you're in the thick of it with with people and um, you're always dealing with stuff that's messed up. You never know what's behind the walls and all that stuff. Um, so. That transition was was interesting because I I'm not gonna lie I I was a remodeling hater for the majority of my life up to that point, um, but I would say the biggest learning or the biggest lesson I, I learned from that was you know just taking advantage of your opportunities because at that point I really got sick of flipping houses because it was so it was so unknown you know one. One month you could uh, buy and sell two houses, or you know, like half a year you get two houses done. The next three months crickets, and then if you don't have any money, you might make a bad purchase just to get something going. It just was—it wasn't my thing. It was—it it, wasn't—it uh, wasn't me. So getting into remodeling through that first job, it kind of clicked, and I realized kind of what I had. Um, Obviously, the opportunity to bring people to a nice office, um, have this selection gallery. And uh, my brother-in-law, at, uh, at the time, he, was, he, was, uh, he went through uh, architecture school at, at Temple, and he was working as a salesman for my dad's company. And he actually came up with the idea, after I was remodeling for 6 or 12 months, something like that, to do design-builds. He thought, you know, it which was, it was a totally new concept to me. I was just, I was basically doing it, but I was using draftsmen and stuff like that. I was kind of designing the stuff and then getting a draftsman to finish it up. To draw it up. Yeah. But this, I wasn't really selling that concept. It was just more like, come to me with an idea. And, and I'll make it happen. If you don't have drawings, we'll make it happen. Right. So he's he should get credit for coming up with that concept and, and then. We worked together for a couple years until he moved out to Denver, um, and then uh, that that was that first year was really uh, the biggest uh, change in in my business was you when know, you found that direction you were yep, going. No no flipping houses is just working for people. I did a lot of finished basements, which okay. are nice and easy to cut your teeth on. You know, mm-hmm. um, did some some additions, some some kitchens, and and then. Um, after the first couple years realized that there was a lot of stuff that i could delegate there were people that were better than me at managing the project on the ground uh, it wasn't particularly my forte you know i I like to uh, be in the office more and, and work on the business side so uh, after mm-hmm. two years i think uh, my uh, my Best sub, I would call him. He he had a couple, probably three or four, maybe five employees. Just kind of a do it all kind of guy. He was a, a framer as well. Uh, they they did a great job. They would they would end up, you know, man half managing things for me because I was getting so busy. And I approached him about possibly you know coming on as a partner of mine, and um, and he he was intrigued by the idea and we, we made we made it work. He came in and brought his guys over and, and that really that was in twenty fourteen and that's been the way our model has been set up ever since. So I, I
0: think it's crazy to um, based on the economy, based on timing, based on age, based on knowledge, like you just get kind of you kind of propel the places you didn't think you were gonna go in mm-hmm. business. Yeah. Like you just you're you know, your story is he sure hey, I started here and I didn't know I was gonna be here at this right. point and who knows where you're gonna right. go next. Yeah. Like and I was, you didn't plan any of that. No, 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 not at all. I mean I wish I could say I was a you know But you took advantage of things along the way as conditions absolutely. changed.
2: I was just talking to Brian a little bit about that earlier, about just kind of keeping yourself in the game all the time. And, and trying to walk through the doors that look open, mm-hmm. um, and if they shut in your face, you just go onto the next door. Yeah, uh, but constantly, you can never obviously get away from that grind, as we all call it, but if you keep your eyes open, there's always opportunity in front of you, and making sure that you take advantage of those opportunities is that's Find that's the that. only thing you can do. Do you like for me? I could
0: I feel that and it mm-hmm. pulls me towards it. I mean, mm-hmm. Do you have like a certain intuition or is it more like calculated? How do you? Because you know some people just go in a direction
2: and others feel that way and they just go that way. All right. Way. Um, I would say probably more of a gut feel. Um, I think like I said, just just being in the game. When I say in the game, it's just surrounding yourself with uh, as many people that. You know, our influencers, whatever you want to call them, people that are making things happen, that are moving and shaking. Just being around them and listening and learning and uh, trying to just constantly expand your knowledge base. And if something is right in front of you, you'll know then. Yeah, I think Probably that that's the time. biggest thing. I mean, because at the end of the day, you can look at the path that I've been on uh, for the last, whatever, 20 years, and it, it can appear that it might have been easy to a certain degree because I had a lot of help like with, with my dad's business and that kind of thing, but at the same time, you still got to gotta capitalize on it.
0: Yeah. It always looks easier when there's a successful...
2: Into to mm-hmm. the game, yeah,
0: and nobody knows that backstory of my struggle, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Good, ahead, Brian.
3: What's up, man? What's up, man? Love your story. I mean, we got to chat a little bit earlier today, and uh, from my end, it definitely puts things into perspective. Um, being you know, I've never been a builder, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm surrounded by builders like 24/7, for mm-hmm. some reason, which is awesome. But, uh, yeah, so you wear many hats, right? Mm -hmm. You've gone through so many different experiences. My question for you is, you know, at the end of the day, what do you look at to say to yourself, you know, when you're sitting down on the couch, you're like, man, all right, my day's almost done. Like, what do you look at and say, all right, like, this was a great day. Like, I set up myself for success today so I can give myself an opportunity for success tomorrow.
2: That's a good question. I mean, it's a little big, uh, okay. but at the same time, I think it comes down to what habits you create, you know, on a daily sure. basis to accomplish things. I mean, we're results-oriented in this business, obviously. It's it's like that. It's that tangible thing. When we can say we did a good job, it's at the end of the day, the project is complete. We did work, you know, physical work on... A home or a building or whatever and so that's an obvious one to point to but in my world it's a little bit more ambiguous because I'm not swinging a hammer right I could say yeah my guys accomplished a lot today I can see what they did but for me to sit down at the end of the day and say this was successful is is more about thinking about what I set out to do and Always starting with the bigger goals in mind, uh, what we're what we're striving for, what we're what we're trying to achieve in the business over you know what the annual basis or you know what we're what niche we're trying to move into, and then cutting that back up into smaller things that you know are tangible, like or maybe I made that phone call today to um, you know reach out to a, a prospective employee. That, that got back to me for a position we have um, or it's, it's making sure that I touched all my customers that I needed to today to keep the momentum moving on the, on the projects in design. Um, in reality, when you get to have a bunch of employees, it can seem like you're being um, productive because they're getting stuff done, but at the end of the day, somebody still needs to cast a vision and work for work towards something bigger than that you know everyday task. And so, so
0: you get customers who call you and say what do you after you build them an addition say that again when you when you're done building an addition, you have customers call you and give you feedback about what. So help their lives out. Like this yeah. is the best place. My you know our family loves it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and I think um, you know that's part of the. It's like a secondary reward in um, in our uh, in our business. We have the obvious primary reward of the project, and it looks great. It's beautiful. The work was done well. The secondary thing is. Knowing that you impacted somebody's life, which is like the cherry on top, and then you have that third thing, which is the referral. You know, where somebody thinks highly enough of you to tell people about you with no incentive in in their mind. They just say ultimate compliment. Yeah, they just say, hey, you know, I heard you're thinking about doing a remodeling project. Call, you should call Ben. He's he's great, or
3: whatever it is. Is there anything in particular that you and your team do at the customer level to make sure that they're satisfied at the end of the day, like anything that you guys are like, yeah, this is what we need to do every time, whether it's right. we're gonna write on a thank you note or mm-hmm. like make sure the site is clean or... Yeah, we whatever. have
2: we have a number of, of things that kind of all culminate at that last walkthrough of the job. Um, for me, in the beginning, since I'm the salesperson, you know, obviously it's it's, asking a lot of questions, making sure that I understand what they're trying to accomplish and that what we're proposing is gonna accomplish that goal. Um, I would say my job in that sense is kinda easy because it's exciting in the beginning, we're designing, we're showing them the cool stuff that could happen and then you get into the, what I think is the hardest part is, is actually executing that vision. Um, and so during that phase we have our, our guys, lead, our lead carpenters and project managers who are on the site daily um, and interacting with the customer on a daily basis. And then we have a weekly meeting with them throughout the project to make sure we're addressing everything that, that they need. Um, and then at the end, you know, that walkthrough, making sure they sign off on everything, that they're happy, and we follow up with, uh, with a survey. You know, it's a it's a third-party survey, so it's unbiased, um, and basically asking them for their honest feedback and giving them the opportunity to leave negative feedback um, and opening ourselves up to that because it's actually published online. Um, so you know, we have every incentive to make them happy and do a great job because it's going to be out there for everybody to see. Um, Do you accept kisses and hugs at the end of uh, the projects? Whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a. Whatever fan fan. Want. What they want. I'm not a big so <laughs> hugger. Sure hey, just, just a, a handshake. Yeah, I have, I have. Yeah. A, a lot of customers that yeah w- are are very uh, very happy and give the hugs and sometimes kisses on the cheek. But you know that just means that that we did our job. Um, and then, went, yeah, personally, you know, when it's all done, I'll, I'll send them a, a, a handwritten thank you note. And, you know, usually I, I try to get them like a gift, a yeah. personalized gift, That's something, awesome. you know, uh, just last week we got somebody, uh, something from, uh, or last year, I mean, from the Ryder Cup, you know, because oh, cool. they're a big golfer, stuff like that. Nice. So Goes a long way. Yeah. We're still working on it. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> just constant. Always. Yeah, you know, it... Every day is an opportunity to get better, and we fail daily, but we learn daily, too, so.
3: So, like, do you ever – how do you shut it off?
2: How do I shut it off? Um, yeah. You know, I've worked – Eagles like, games. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've worked a lot of hours for a long time, so I, uh, I think you need to know when you're getting to that burnout point. Yeah and so you have to have priorities you know for me I have I have a, a great wife and three kids um, and that's why obviously that's, that's why I do this you know everybody has their own reason but a lot of us have families and we want to provide for them and so if you're really transparent about it um, with your clients up front about what your priorities are they're going to respect that so I don't, I don't do evening meetings I don't I very rarely do Saturday meetings. Sometimes, if it works out, that's fine. Um, but they know my priorities. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna respond to an email after like five o'clock. I'm just not, you know. Um, and they're they're fine with it. You know what I mean. Um, so once you get those clients that understand, and you're constantly working for the quote unquote right people that fit your lifestyle, it, it's easy to shut it off. Because, you know, we've all been there when you can't and that just doesn't work. It's not, it's not, it's not a way to, it's not sustainable, so. Well, thanks for coming on to joint. Yeah, thanks for coming out, guys. This is the real John. <laughs> this is the real
3: John. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the most I've ever talked.